Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast, episode 127. I'm here with Peter, Dr. Peter Bernstein. Good morning. We're going to continue um, kind of along the lines of what we talked about last time. We were uh, drawing on a book by Patty Davis, Floating in the Deep End, sharing her experience both uh, clinically and personally of Alzheimer's and caring for her father in his last years. Uh, you might be surprised, or you might not be, to know how many people in your close circle of friends, your community, your neighborhood, might be caring for a loved one who's seriously ill. Uh, Peter runs into people that he knows, or, or even maybe doesn't know, just runs into people who are caring for someone full-time, and the burden that that can place on a family, on individuals. There are definite positives to that experience, and we want to share that today. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's, that I find is when you've been on the front lines doing this work, um, it's, it is very difficult. It's, it's so, so hard for the caregivers, for the loved ones, as well as the person going through it. Interesting thing. As hard as it is, the people that stay the course with these folks can come out of it inspired. They can come out of it with a new sense of purpose and development and growth. That those, and I say this relatively compassionately, there are those that cannot handle it. And, uh, you know, more than I wish to admit, but there's many, that it is such an overwhelming and frightening thing to, to see that you'll see mo uh, many families will tell you about family members that are, they're not there, they can't be there. Or they're what they call Johnny-come-latelys. They'll come in every once in a while with their comments, but they aren't there to do the work. You talked to a family, I think at church this weekend, that was experiencing that, uh, and you've known them for a while. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, too, is that not everybody opens up uh, about what they've been going through. Uh, I find in this town, because of what I've gone through with my beloved wife and being there for her for so many years, um, it gives me a certain, I think, Empathy, but it's beyond that. Other people pick it up too. That you genuinely know that. Experience. Yes, and I've run into it at stores. Uh, one fellow, Harold, who I send my love to. His wife just passed away three months ago, and he's he's grieving. He's working. He's functional, but he told me he did all the caregiving for her by himself. And he's not a young man. No, and he did it all. Yeah. And a man's suffering with his grief. He's a lovely, good person. He works at the heart, local hardware store, good man. I re go to, I've talked to others, and when they, when I talk to them, they tell me the stories of where, uh, in a couple, the, the wife took care of both her, her mother and father alone, and mm -hmm. she talked about what that put her through and how difficult it was. Her husband, who's a really sweet guy, is taking care of his father right now. Right now. Uh huh. And he mm -hmm. was talking about what his put, what's, what his family is like. Um, he's he's definitely there in the front lines, and he has family members that aren't, others that come and go. Um, but he's talking about how difficult it is. What I find really interesting, when people are involved in caregiving and grieving and whatever, they don't know a whole lot about resources or support. Um, I feel it's really important. We've learned through our own experiences how the, the, the more traditional design of caregiving, even for professionals, is a formula for burnout and trouble. 
And every be the one person handling it all basically it's, themselves. Yes. Yeah. We've seen people that were healthy, that were the caregivers, they die before the people are taken care of. We've had that experience more than once, excuse me. Yeah. You never would have thought, and yet the mortality rate for the caregivers is very high. And now that I've been through it with my own wife, I can sure understand why. It's a devastation. It's a heartbreak. And yet everyone is going to be facing this. And this is the kind of thing... I don't blame anyone. This is the last thing you want to deal with in your life, even admit to, mm -hmm. because it's one of the it's one of the more, most difficult things in life to face. It is. I think that we've had one change in the last few couple of years, though, that's brought things to a head, and that's the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, it's forced people who've been running away and living in distractions and whatever, and we've all had that tendency more than others. Um, to have to face things whether we like it or not. And uh, and it's forced them out into the open about how much they have missed out when it really came to time to understand the difficulties and face them. They had no arsenal to draw upon because they've been running in a distracted life for a long time and all of a sudden they're dealing with the heaviest stuff in life. Yeah. Interestingly, the man I was talking to, his wife passed away. He said he only had 20 minutes with her because she was in the hospital. Because of COVID, he couldn't even be with her. Yeah. And when I heard that, that's even... That's an experience so many people have had over absolutely. the last couple of years. It's just tragic. It is. When I heard that, it just dropped me emotionally. just oh, dropped me to my knees to hear that. He said he got to say his final goodbye to mm. her. And that was it. Mm. And uh, But he said, when he just told me, I couldn't even be with her. She was, I could, because of COVID, I wasn't it's allowed to go Grief on. that much more agonizing. My, he was, and he's a lovely guy. He's a good man. He was with her. I know him. Um, I used to see him in the ER when I took my wife to the ER. He'd be there with his wife. Mm -hmm. But I've seen a lot of this in the communities. I've talked to people. Uh, it gives me a, a, a new insight. It also does something else. It shows me what can come out of this for good. And I know that's hard to believe, and it's almost a, it is, there is a spiritual reality to this. But in real terms, the folks that hang in there and go through this difficulty, it's hellish, can come out of it with a resilience you cannot get any other way. Yes. You can go through the tough times, you can come out burned out, angry, bitter, uh, all of that, or you can come out inspired. We've been the ones, we've been very fortunate because of what we went through, we developed a team approach, which is so much better for caregiving. We had six caregivers, Jenny was in, in charge and overseeing so much of it. Um, it worked so much better for the sake of the caregivers as well as, as my wife. Mm -hmm. um, we know it's a better way to go. And hospice used to tell me, you have, this is the most exquisite model of caregiving there. So I had no clue what they were talking about because we were in the midst of it. didn't feel exquisite to me. And there were several levels on which the team approach was much better. It was, not, it was definitely, but not only, uh, taking turns caring for Lynn so that no one was working hour after hour after hour. Physically, the exhaustion and the, the stress uh, is high for someone like that. But beyond that, uh, as a team, we were able to uh, talk with each other, support each other, help each other to um, work through some of the pain, some of the emotions that came up in caregiving. We were able to uh, each bring our own uh, abilities and uh, ideas to caring for Lynn and to have different perspectives. It was 
better on so many levels. And you know, I want to talk about that for a minute because Patty Davis does a beautiful job. This is one of the finest books on caregiving I ever read because it's written so beautifully and so down to earth and it's so personal. I remember her as being one of the people that always ran away, angry rebel. Yes. And she talks openly. She talks about that. Yeah, she's really honest. She's a very good writer, by the way. But she talks about what taking care of her father and facing and determined, you know, she was not going to run away anymore. She had a lot to overcome with the family. But she talked about what it put her through. Mm -hmm. And she says, it made me grow up and become an adult. Yeah. It does that. And this is a lady who didn't grow up, as you know, publicly. She was the rebel of the family. She was very vociferously against policies that yeah, her father... Yeah, she, she was acting like a, uh, a rebellious supported. teenager all the time. Yeah. Well, this is not that anymore. No, she talked about having to work through resentments and pain and bitterness, that things that had happened as she was growing up, and things that she felt she missed and maybe did legitimately miss. Oh, yeah. But it was time to let go of so she could have something with her father now. And that was the profound realization. And I know a lot of people, even in our institute that we help, they can't seem to get out of their past, no matter what we do. And they're, it's just, they live in the past, about, and they're waiting for this unresolved part of them to get get responded to. Even, a lot of people like that. Absolutely. And it, and it contaminates their present lives terribly, some disastrously. Right. But what we're finding is, and Patty talks about this, and I give her the, all the credit in the world, she's an outstanding woman, about how it made her face certain unfinished things in her life that were never going to be resolved. Right. And she would have to, she carried baggage, she called it a backpack of, of problems and pain. That there were certain things that were they were legitimate, and they were and they constantly, particularly dealing with her family and her mother. There were some difficult relationships in her family, and she had to deal with it in the present. She also had to let go of a lot of her resentments, a lot of her neediness, and her troubled past. How she felt unworthy, undeserving, uh, very critical of herself, and feel like she was never going to amount too much in life and, and she, that plagued her mm -hmm. and she came to grips with all of that and realized she had to let go of that and it was time for her to grow up that no things that were missed out in her in her uh, upbringing and they were missed out on yeah nobody denies that weren't going to happen and to, for her to look to her father now who had very progressive alzheimer's it wasn't going to happen and she had to come to grips with that and be there for him in the present. Mm -hmm. Because people who are suffering with dementia and Alzheimer's, they're the only thing you can really deal with is in the present and it's ever changing. They may live in the past. They may and there's so many things that you have to learn to do to help them through it. She talks about so many things that we saw too. We know it's it's true. Um, but she talked about you can't keep being plagued by your past anymore. Um, there, it gets in the way, yeah. and there's a bigger, there's a bigger need out there um, that has to be dealt with, and you just have to forgive and let go. Doesn't mean she's resolved. It didn't mean any of that. It just meant she knew that her burdens were over. She couldn't take, take carry them anymore. I think she does a beautiful job of going through some of the details of how she came to that. I think she did the best job I've ever read I mean, of describing this process. I've, I have experienced it. I continue to go through it. I'm not resolved by any means. But she has described it in the best way I've ever read. I, I agree. I, you know, I, 
I can't say that I'm, I resolved so much of that way before any of this. So I wasn't plagued by that. And um, one of the things that I found with my wife, and I, I say this to couples that I, I know um, since they helped Lynn, since they've been around her, she was an inspiration. And our relationship became much more transparent to the public because what was going on was right out front. We were taking care of her. She was dying. We had a loving, healing. caring, growing, healing relationship, healing relationship to her last breath. Yes. And I wanted to make sure in my caregiving, I don't care what it took, that I wasn't going to have any regrets about not being there for her in any way, in every way she needed. I mean, financially, it was very expensive to deal with all of that. I still found a way to pay for it, and it was difficult. Um, there were other things, too, that I had to come to grips with that I had to learn to be more selfless than I ever thought possible. My wife was always a selfless, incredibly strong woman. Courageous, strength. Boy, talking about a strong woman without being overbearing and authoritarian. She was it. She was an inspiring woman, right to her last breath. But I'll tell you, as far as selflessness goes, she was far beyond me. And yet during this period of time, what was it, the last four years were very difficult, but I'd been in it, into it with her for probably six and a half years actively. Mm -hmm. I was the one that had to be selfless. And I got to tell you something, it wasn't difficult. Once I saw the need, that's what I wanted to be for her. And I was grateful to be able to do that for her. It was a privilege. Interestingly, um, it made me grow up in the sense of my needs were not going to get met and Lynn wasn't going to be able to take care of me. The way she took care of me is just, one of the things is all the filters were stripped. She was a genuine, she always was, but this was even more so, genuine. Her integrity, her authenticity was right there and it was infectious. And I benefited always from it. We were always like that. But you know what I discovered? Many people aren't, and their lives suffer, and they don't even know they're living very compromised lives because they think that's the best they're going to do. Well, what happened by being around Lynn? Mm -hmm. They went away going, I thought what I had was good. It wasn't good. It's not good at all. It's not even like this. And I've been settling and covering up in ways that I never should have. So it exposed an awful lot. Right. Some people have really gone to the... And, and tried to correct their relationships and worked hard. Others, it was too late. Um, others are in the midst of it now, but that was the impact that Lynn had even in her dying. Yes. And for me, you know, it was, it was, I had all the needs and all the feelings of anyone going through this, but there was nobody else that I would be interested in being with. I was, I mean, she was my main squeeze for 47 years. I loved her and I adored her. And we had a relationship that was a place of healing. We both came to, a, to a, the relationship, pretty broken people with very difficult and painful past, different, but very difficult. Our relationship was the place of healing. Genuineness, love, caring, selflessness, being very human, um, we had that. And we had it right to our last breath. And those that were around her at the end were blessed because she was a caring woman to her last breath. You've, lovely and good and strong and caring for others. You've had probably the ideal in terms of, of as difficult as it was, you had this loving, healing relationship that you were able to share through the end. Um, Patty didn't quite have that, but her 
attitude was, whatever there was there for her to have with her father, whatever was possible in the last years, she was going to make sure she didn't get in the way of having those things. She did a great job. I mean, she talks about also, I wouldn't call it just clinical, but the kind of things that you have to learn in dealing with someone who's, when you're handicapped, she's dealing specifically with Alzheimer's, um, other people deal with veterans coming home and, and, and have been wounded and damaged. Other veterans that have serious PTSD. Uh, there's so many different things that, that we're, we're exposed to. Hers was learning how to deal with a person with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And she really applied herself. She's a smart woman anyway. Right. But we know that many of the things she talked about and she learned to do are you have to know how to do this as a caregiver for somebody with dementia and Alzheimer's. She does a great job. She combines... Yeah clinical information, and I, yes, you can call it clinical, with her own personal experience and what she went through and the kind of changes that put her through, but also the, the, the episodes and the stories she tells about how to deal with someone with Alzheimer's. She was, you know, uh, I remember Lynn was like this too in the beginning, uh, her dad was longer, where uh, he, he, he was with the Secret Service and he had an office to go to. He was at that time pretty much in the and he wouldn't get out of the car, it was in the parking garage, because he felt there was a danger. Mm -hmm. And he was seeing the danger that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. They tried to reassure him. Nobody could reassure him. But and I remember we went through this with Lynn. Yes, in fact, I remember uh, it too. In fact, Steve's wife and I had to drive Lynn to the hospital. She was completely paranoid and delusional. Yeah. And Steve's wife was excellent with me. But, what we, but Patty talked about finding ways to be in the present with him and distract him and bring him through it. And she decided to come into the car, sit next to him, find out what was going on. And she realized he was seeing things, frightening things, that uh, that weren't happening. But she decided with the secret, she says, you know what, let's change the environment. Let's take the car around the block mm -hmm. and let's just give him a chance to shift. And um, we'll just go along with it. Okay, let's get away from the danger and it'll probably go away when we come back. Mm -hmm. And I'll be darned, she had those kinds of, they call them creative lying. By the way, it's a therapeutic tool dealing with, I went through it with Lynn myself. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how she'd face things with him yeah. and get very creative. And by the way, that worked. It did. Yeah. It was felt safe. And, she sh and he shifted and she yeah. shifted him. She has many stories like that. that we, were, yeah. And you know what? You have to learn to do that. We you know, were taught the truth is always important. Well, go when you approach these kind of things rationally, um, that doesn't work. In fact, it causes arguments, it causes trouble. You have to learn to just kind of flow with it. I deal with my 96-year-old mother who's got dementia sometimes and sometimes not, but she'll tell me things that are just unbelievable. And um, I had a priest from hospice call me from Florida about her. And uh, he says, I, I saw your mom this morning. I said, yeah. He says, she told me she was shot last night on the streets. Now, my mother did grow up on the streets in New York, New Jersey. And I said, what? He says, yeah. He said, and he says, really what happened was a rapper in Miami Beach was shot last night. Your mom thinks she's, she's him. And I said, okay, okay. He says, but she told me not to worry. She'll be all right by tonight. And I talked to her. And she, I said, how are you doing? She says, not too good today. I was shot last night. And I go, okay. So, and she says, but I, I'd probably be better by tonight. And I said, you know, that sounds just about right. about right. Hang in there. You're a tough lady. You'll make it. You learn to kind of flow without judgment, and you just kind of live with them in the present, their present. Mm -hmm. It's actually, I get a kick out of my mother, to be honest with you. Everybody does. Um, but she was put up on the streets, and she really 
we'll go, went back to that. It was a past memory. Yeah, so, and she similar. just kind of got confused with yeah. somebody else. We are out of time. Oh, already? Already. I hope that this series begins to shed light and hope and encouragement to those that are going through caregiving of any sort. Um, our job, this is part of my wife, we call it Lynn's Legacy. Um, we want to reach as many people as we can for encouragement and hope and to tell you to hang in there. Yes. That good will come out of this. I know it sounds as hard as it may be ludicrous, but you hang in there and don't run away. You'll find that out of this will come a resilience, a sense of purpose and meaning in your life that you've never had before, that you're meant to have. For those that run away, I encourage you not to do it, um, but I know I've tried to stop people and they do anyway. Um, and for you guys, I, you're missing out on a great opportunity. I, I, I hope you'll stop and turn around and because you're needed. Whatever, I've learned to have some compassion. Everybody deals with difficulties in different ways. Wherever you are, we just encourage you to try to take a step in the direction toward connecting and loving and caring. Absolutely, as hard as it is. And hang in as there. And by the way, take care of yourselves. Self-care is not selfish. It's essential. There we go. There's one of our slogans. Yeah. Yes. The Survivor's Guide to Life is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that depends on donations to keep us on the air and on the channel. Uh, they are at sctraumatreatment.org. We are thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. And our podcast is on all of the regular outlets, and we have our own YouTube channel. We have Facebook, Instagram. Please like and share and send us your feedback. You can reach Peter and I at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for joining us again, and we will be back soon. Our love. Bye-bye.